Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I have a big podcast for you today because I have a big subject. It is parental discipline. It is about loving our children correctly, not abusing them, obviously. And of course, we want to walk that fine line. And we tend to err on either side. Either we don't discipline our children well when they need it, or we discipline them the wrong way. And so maybe I can begin this podcast by asking the very basic question, do you discipline your children? And then, of course, the big question after that one is, how do you do it? When it comes to corrective care, How does your child experience your corrective care? And just as important, what is your motive behind your discipline? Now, anytime you're talking about parental discipline, you want to make sure you are beginning at the right place. And the right place is with the Lord. In Hebrews 12, 6, the Bible says this, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. I want to get inside that verse just a little bit because it's imperative that we understand the critical words there. There's discipline there, but there is also love, and the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And so love is a big deal when we bring discipline to our children. If you want to read this podcast, I would love for you to do that. You can go to our website, rickthomas.net, Here's the title of the article that you'll find, Parental Discipline is Born Out of a Heart of Love. And I have several other articles here. I also have one of our short training videos called Parenting with Structure and Support. It will be quite informative. It may be about 10 minutes in length. And if you have the time, I would encourage you to grab it off of this article here and watch it. This would be a great discussion video with your friends, with your spouse, with your family, depending on the age of your children, of course, and what they can and can understand at this point in their lives. But I do encourage you, I want you to get these resources. They are free to you. They're free for you to use personally and practically. They are free for you to share with anyone you wish. And please do that as well as this podcast. I want to get into it in just a moment, but I want to share something that's been on my heart the last few days. I've had more than one discussion about how we, the Christian, the body of Christ, how we communicate on uh, social media. I was talking with someone just a couple of days ago, and they were telling me about a wife who was blasting their local church on social media, and I was telling my friend that this is a big topic. We, I live in the social media. I live in cyberspace because of the nature of our ministry, and so perhaps I'm more in tune with this more than others. And I was sharing with her, yeah, I've seen this another lady uh, blast her husband on social media, and it is a thing, and it's a problem. In fact, uh, one church asked me to speak on this topic at a conference that I'm doing on the problem with technology and social media and some solutions that we can bring, because this is a big deal that is not going to go away anytime soon. And as I was talking to these different people, 
it reminded me of how we interact with people on our social media platform. And so we just posted on our Facebook page this. I'm going to read to you what I posted on our Facebook page, and I hope it's an encouragement to you. Uh, For some of you, maybe it will be an admonition and maybe it will be a rebuke, but people are watching, and it is important as to how we communicate in the public space. Here's what I said uh, or here's part of an article on our social on our Facebook page. It says, "For anyone who feels the need to be critical or angry on this social media platform, Facebook, please know that our team will delete your comments promptly. We have never been that kind of place, as it is vital to us that this community is kind, considerate, and civil in how we communicate with each other." If you disagree with anything you see on this page, you are welcome to contact us privately. We love engaging those who do not believe as we do, but this public platform is not the place for argumentation. We have many burnt-out Christians who come to us, as well as those who do not know the Lord. It does not serve them. It does not serve others. It does not spread the fame of God when Christians argue with each other in the public domain. Thank you for understanding and for helping us keep this public space different from what you see so often in our culture. That has been our view on our social media platform from the beginning. And by the grace of God, we do not plan to change. I do not run our social media platform, and and sometimes um, many people assume that I'm going to see or respond or know about whatever people have uh, have to say uh, to me uh, on there, and it just doesn't work that way. Our ministry is just it's more than I can handle, and I'm not omnipresent. And so the only place that I interact with people is through our website, but we do interact with people and have no problem doing that, but not on the public space. We had two comments deleted today because two women just felt the need to say some unkind things, and it was unfortunate, but it was a reminder to me that as new people continue to come to our ministry, that they don't understand our vibe, and our vibe is a gospel-centered one, and there are so many hate sites, and there's so many people that are bashing each other, and it's gone exponential. It's gone nuclear uh, since 2016 with the election, and it's not uh, the election in the United States, and it's not going to slow down anytime soon, but Christians can be different from that. And so I make a strong appeal to anyone that will listen that all comments are welcome, but they are not welcome on social media. And so please disagree. Please don't accept everything that I say or that this ministry says, but there is a place for communicating and on social media is not the place. I want to come back now to the article, Parental Discipline is Born Out of a Heart of Love. The verse that I shared with you, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. The three big words in this verse, that's Hebrews 12, 6. The three big words in this verse are father, discipline, and love. The parent represents God 
the father and disciplines the child out of a heart of love. There's those three words. We represent the father. We discipline our children. And here's the third one out of a heart of love. In fact, not to discipline your children is a matter of disobedience uh, to the parent. The parent is being disobedient if they do not discipline their children appropriately when the time comes from it. Did you know when you experience the Lord's discipline, you're also experiencing His love? The reason for that is because God is love. You remember what John said in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. And so there is no other way to experience God or his discipline but to experience love. It's like dipping a sponge in water and squeezing the sponge. You're going to get water out of it because that is what is in it. And when you in my illustration, squeeze the Lord, love is going to come out. And if he disciplines you, love is what you're going to experience even in that discipline. God is love. And when he disciplines us, we experience who he is, which is love. Our children receive the same from us, meaning they experience what we are. And so when when someone squeezes you, whatever is in you is going to come out. And if if love is your animating center because you are a gospel-centered individual, then your discipline is going to feel like love. Everything you do is going to connote love. But if you're not a loving person, or if you're an angry person, or a discontented person, or a frustrated person, or a joyless person, when you squeeze that, well, that's what's going to come out. And when you discipline someone because that's who you are, that is what they are going to experience from you in discipline. If we are motivated and controlled by love, love is what our children will receive, even in discipline. Now, because our goal is to imitate the Lord in all ways, we have the perfect model to follow when it comes to parental discipline. Who would want to pursue another example? Who would want to discipline another way? We have the privilege of leading our children the way God leads us in love. And though God, and I'll put this in quotation marks, because you do want to caveat caveat this, but though God hurts us on purpose, when he does discipline us, we know he wants only the best for us. This vital point is where you want to think about your corrective care. Discipline from a heart of love is always for the other person's good. Think back to your disciplining of your children. Was it redemptive? You had a goal in mind. As you were disciplining your child in the moment, you had a long-term goal. It was a redemptive goal, a transformative goal. Was your discipline, or maybe is your discipline, redemptive? Another question, were they, the children, better off after you corrected them? You see, we are better off after God corrects us. Number three, does your discipline cultivate respect from them, from the children? We have much more respect for God because of his corrective care. 
that he loves us enough that he would correct us. He's not wishy-washy, and he's not weak and spineless, that he won't step into the disciplinary care. And that creates respect because his disciplinary care, it is active, but it's also out of a heart of love. And then finally, were they helped? Were they changed? Were they appreciative of your care? The Father's discipline of us is not the first time he has dealt with us. You see, God has a long and loving relational history with us, and this is vital when it comes to disciplinary actions. You just don't walk up on a person and discipline them, and you have no relational history with them. You see, if love is not part of the relational history, which is what we do have with God, a loving relational history, but if love is not part of that relational history that you have with your child, the inevitable discipline that will happen will be confusing and it will be frustrating. Let me note for you just four of the Father's pre-existing relational history with us. In Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, we see that he predetermined his love for us. That is a, a relational history, a, a predetermined one. In John three sixteen, he loved us enough to give us his son as a ransom. You, you see the, the forethought. You, you see God's desire, even in eternity past. He planned on having a relational history with us. And then in Romans 5, 8, his son gave his life for us, though we did not deserve it. And then in John 16, 13, we have his Holy Spirit who brings daily comfort and guidance to us. The point is, the Lord has a relational history with us, money in the bank, so that when he disciplines us, it is we know it is from a heart of love, and we have experienced it historically. Do you see how you experience his love many times before you experience his discipline? The Lord was putting money in the bank long before he took any out. That's why his, his withdrawals, the discipline, do not hurt as bad as they could. A loving father would never bankrupt his children. Suppose you go to your bank to make a withdrawal. Upon arriving at your bank, you discover you have no money in the bank. They tell you that you have overdrawn your account. You're broke. You're busted. Now, what if we turn this illustration around? Suppose you have been steadily putting money in your local bank every week of your adult life, and you go to the bank to make a withdrawal. You know you can do this because you've been making regular deposits. Perhaps it's not your desire to make withdrawals. It's not my desire to make withdrawals. Who wants to make withdrawals? Hey, I'm going to go take money out and give it to someone else. But you know that you can if you have to because you have been making regular deposits. You have a historical record, a historical relationship with your bank where you have been depositing money all along. And when there is a debt that needs paying, you must make the withdrawal. And even though the withdrawal stings a little, it does not bankrupt your account. Your active weekly deposits have made it possible to take money out of the bank. By imitating the Father, God the Father, your children will not be discouraged. 
when the inevitable time comes to make a withdrawal. You will, not, you will not leave them bankrupt. Your regular deposits of love, your historical relationship with them as you're regularly depositing love into their lives, it will keep them from defeat, from hopelessness, and potential anger. Now let's, let's put the illustration to the real test. As you align it to your parenting model, I want to ask you a few questions so that you can quickly assess how well you have been investing in your children's lives. Question, what do you do more to your children? Do you correct them or do you encourage them? Where does the accent Mark, where does the accent mark land on correction or encouragement? Which one do you do more? Number two, based on your regular communication with your children, are they more aware or of what they do wrong, or are they more aware that you're for them? I use that language. Perhaps you were going to think I was going to ask, are, you, are they more aware of what they do wrong or more aware of what they do right? That's a good way to ask the question, but I ask it this way intentionally. Are, are they more aware of what they do wrong or are they more aware that you're for them? And I'm using the language of Romans 8.31. Paul said, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And this is a critical component part. This is a plank of our gospel platform at this ministry that our students and regular readers have heard so many times, but it is vital that we understand this aspect of the gospel. God is for us, and because he is for us, we we, we're not overwhelmed by those who are against us. And we know that God is for us in context of this passage in Romans 8.31. In this passage, God or Paul gives us a relational history. He tells us all the ways or some of the ways that God has been for us in eternity past, currently, and also in eternity future, that we will be glorified. And, and if all these things are true, and they are, well, God is for us. Who can be against us? And so I ask the question, based on your regular communication with your children, are they more aware what they do wrong, or are they more aware that you are for them? And then finally, from your children's perspective, as well as your spouse, if you're married, or a close friend who knows you well, are you characterized as a discourager or an encourager? Are the first words that are most likely to come out of your mouth encouraging words or discouraging words, positive words or negative words? Now, I'm, t- I'm not talking about being this weird optimistic person that, that never sees the dark side. No, we have to deal with the negative and critical things that are in our lives, but there is a way to do that. But ultimately, the joy of the Lord is what governs us, not the negativity and the darkness of this world. And so we will either be characterized as one or the other, a discourager or an encourager. And from your child's perspective, how would they characterize you? Now, depending on how you answer these personal questions, your method, your process, your philosophy of parental discipline, it may, it could be already off the tracks. I hope not, but it is possible if you're like me, you have made some mistakes, and if you're not off the track, maybe you have a wheel hanging off. Maybe you have a wheel hanging off. 
And it's important to know that parental discipline begins in the heart and the behavior of the parent. And so if there's something for you to hear here today, if you hear his voice, if the Lord is speaking to you, please listen before you deal with the heart of your child. Your heart needs, your heart needs God's governing care. And so follow the analogy. God is our parent. His heart is right, of course, which is a prerequisite before he deals with our hearts. And so we know that God is love. This is how he is. So he's ready to deal with us. How about you? How is your heart? Are you characterized as a loving person to your children? It's a simple phrase in Hebrews, for the Lord disciplines the one the Lord loves. This phrase in Hebrews puts twice as much emphasis on the Lord than it does on the person he is disciplining. The accent mark in this verse is on the Lord. For the Lord disciplines the one the Lord loves. Note the order, the Lord's love for the one he is disciplining is a prerequisite to the discipline that he measures out to the one he loves. He loves us before he is disciplining us. Our love for others must always precede the correction of others. The obvious question to ask here, and it's an important question, you don't want to assume this, and so I'm going to ask it, do you love your child? Now, think carefully, because it would be easy for all of us Christians to say, well, of course I love my child. Think carefully. And rather than answering from your subjective perspective, perhaps you can ask your child if you love them. If your child is old enough to have this conversation, and I I realize that if the children are real young, young, uh, 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 little children, they're going to say, well, yeah, yeah, Daddy, you love me. Mom, you love me. More than likely, they're going to say that. But if they are teenagers, or maybe if they are adults now, you could ask them that question from their perspective. Did, Did I love you? Did you know that I loved you? When you think about your child, do loving thoughts come to your mind first? Now, I know that, that children can be annoying sometimes. By the way, parents can be annoying too. By the way, other people can be annoying as well. And so when you think about them, or you think about anyone for that matter, but in this context, when you think about your children, do loving thoughts come to your mind first? Or are you typically annoyed by your child's attitude or actions the reason this question is important because it's going to characterize what's going on inside of you. And when you discipline your child, if that is what's going on inside of you, that is what's going to come out of you. And that's what they're going to experience. And you'll not be modeling Hebrews twelve six for the Lord disciplines the one the Lord loves. And so you could say, yes, I, I love my child. That would be the knee-jerk response. But maybe if you get into it, maybe not so much. And then finally, how aware is your child of your love for them? God's love for me overrides the discipline that I receive from him, which has to be the key to how we think about the Lord's corrective care. And this perspective must describe what corrective care looks like in your home. The parental discipline I receive from the Lord, it hurts, it's painful, it stings, And it causes a momentary reflective pause in our relationship. And though I am temporarily discouraged because of the discipline that the Lord gives me, I am not defeated. It is his incredible love that seeps into the wounds that he makes. 
His affection for me always precedes and replaces his discipline. There is no way this could happen if I were unsure where our relationship stood. Now, what I've described to you is how we, Rick and Lucia, think about parental discipline in our home, how we have thought about it historically. Obviously, it's changed now because our children are teenagers, but when they were younger, when we disciplined our children, the discipline was quick, it was precise, it was substantive, it was to the point. We wanted them to know that that we had, even when we did that, we wanted them to know that we had an unarguable affection for them. And after they walked out of the room, after receiving our discipline, we wanted them to know that there is no more condemnation. We wanted the punishment left in the room with the rod of correction. And once the discipline is over, we let them know that it is it is finished. It is over. It is done. We dealt with it. There had been confession and repentance and discipline administered. The Lord does not ignore or overlook discipline, and we want to be like him. And our Father loves us, and we want them to know. We want our children to know that we love them too. What kind of home do your children live in on a daily basis? Hopefully, it is filled with warmth and encouragement. Are you a sin-centered home or a gospel-centered one? Sin should be small. The gospel should be huge. Here's another way of thinking about that question. What drives your home? Negativity, nagging, criticism, condemnation, shame, guilt, displeasure. That would be a sin-centered home. A gospel-centered home would sound like this. Encouragement, love, affection, gratitude, affirmation, warmth, approval. It's not dismissing discipline, but again, we're talking about the characterization A good rule of thumb regarding discipline is for each look you take at sin, you should take 10 looks at the gospel. Translated into your home, it means grace, mercy, love should be 10 times more prevalent, 10 times more common practices rather than negativity, criticism, or anger. And then someone may ask, well, what if my heart is not like what you describe? My own relationship with the Lord What if I don't feel that way about God, that he is for me, that he loves me? I realize many people struggle with their relationship with their Heavenly Father. In such cases, the gospel is not centralized in their hearts, and thus their command center, their heart, is under siege by something else. They are not daily and personally encouraged by the works of God on their behalf. Because of this gospel malfunction of the heart, it will be hard for them to help others, especially their children. I had a man tell me recently that he does not see God loving him all the time. Another lady told me she had no idea how God viewed her. If you're not sure how God sees you or if you are uncertain of the Father's complete pleasure in you as a person— You'll have a difficult time disciplining your children biblically. You'll have a difficult time loving anyone biblically because that's not what you are experiencing inside. Whatever you're experiencing inside in your relationship with God is how you're going to affect others on the outside. If you are a Christian, God views you as being in his son. He is pleased with you because you are trusting in the Son's work. You're trusting in the gospel rather than your own work. Now, if this gospel truth is not the animating, driving, motivating center of your life, 
you must find a new starting point regarding how you parent. This means you become you must become a biblical child of your heavenly Father before you can help your child to become a biblical one. If you're not aware of God's incredible love for you, there is a strong chance your children will not be confidently aware of your love for them. You can't effectively teach what you do not actively own or what does not actively affect you. What you'll end up with is you'll end up raising a legalist, a performer, a person who craves the approval of others based on their performance. It's not unusual for children to relate to their parents the way the parents relate to their Heavenly Father. And so let me go back as I wrap up this podcast to my original question, how do you discipline? Does discipline flow out of a heart of love for the one you're disciplining? Or does discipline flow out of a heart of anger or maybe something else for the one you're disciplining? These are two distinctly gospel-centered, heart-probing questions. If you discipline out of anger, you may know what the gospel is, but the gospel does not control you. The gospel will not be effective in your discipline until you are affected by it. My appeal to the struggling parent is to seek people who will speak into your life. There's nothing here to be ashamed of. We're all rookies when it comes to parenting. Nobody is a professional. We all have blown it. We all need help. We only get one shot at this parenting thing, and that window of opportunity is tighter than you may realize And so minimally, allow the gospel to humble you enough to seek counsel. The title of the podcast, Parental Discipline, is born out of a heart of love. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.